Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. The red-headed pure red. Wow. Uh, man. Okay, there we go. He, Zach uh, with the, the new ones every week. I love it. Oh my gosh. How are we doing this morning? Take over church. Woo! Man. Woo! Fantastic. Dude, if you did not feel the Lord light this place up during worship, I don't know what room you were in. Has God done anything for anybody this week that we can praise Him for? Come on, make some noise. this morning that are believing for breakthrough in certain areas and sometimes you just before you receive your fresh breakthrough you got to praise God for a previous breakthrough amen so how about we just make some noise 10 second praise party right now come on he's so good he's so faithful and it's mind-blowing that he would be so committed to I know Zach has called me a purebred but a misfit such as myself and so I'm just so grateful for God this morning. I'm so grateful for this church as well. Adrian and I just got back. We got to have a week off the first time in the entirety of Takeover Church for two years, but also the first vacation we've taken since we got married almost six years ago. And so it has been this five years ago, evidently. Uh, love that. My bad. All those guys, we got to get it better, right? I'm roping you all over me. But we had a, an incredible vacation. We went out to Nashville. We got out in the mountains. And we actually traveled. We traveled an hour and a half outside Nashville. And then we hiked a mile and a half to a quarry slash waterfall where we did some rock climbing. We jumped off a waterfall. We kissed under the waterfall. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and <laughs> you, got, you got a waterfall with your spouse, bro. You got to take that. Like That's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And funny enough, funny enough, we actually ran into a couple who came up to Adrienne and I out of the blue and went, you're taking over Grand Rapids. And we go, what? And they were like, yeah, you guys are taking over Grand Rapids. And we're like, how the, how do you know what that is? You know what I mean? And then they were like, funny enough, we live down the road from church and we want to come to church when we get back from our vacation. They were in Tennessee and then they go to Philadelphia. But that was pretty incredible, isn't it? Like we are, not just being Adrian, no, no, no. Takeover Church is changing lives in Grand Rapids so much so that there's people we haven't even met who find us in the middle of Tennessee nowhere and are going to come to church because they met us. How good is God? It's incredible. Well, this morning, and I also, real quick, I just want to honor Pastor Scott Fletcher, our associate pastor, for running the show last week while we were gone. We our whole team, it's a team effort here. This thing is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many, which is why we push forward serving so much. That's why we, we want you to get plugged in so much, because this thing can't rise and fall on my gifts or Scott's gifts or Adrian's or anybody else alone. This is all of our sacrifices that make this church happen. Amen? Amen. So I just want to thank you. Appreciate you, bro. You the man. And uh, it's just refreshing, I want to say it's publicly, to have to have somebody in our leadership team that we can trust our baby to. Yeah. You know, God gave us a God dream, and uh, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are going to run with it, that you're going to excel it, and we know that the church is going to be better because you ran the show that week. That's incredible. Please make some noise from Scott. <laughs> My God. Well, as you can see from the very 
great gnarly graphic behind me. We are kicking off a brand new series. Somebody say new series. New series. We are kicking off a new series this morning called This Is War. Somebody turn to the neighbor and let them know this is war. No, say it with some conviction. Say it with the chest. This is war. Come on, somebody. Come on, say it with the chest. Say it with the chest. This is war. And honestly, if you've spent any amount of time with me, you would know that I am, I got a lot of energy, I'm very high octane, and I'm just a passionate individual, okay? And if there's one thing, if there's one thing outside of Jesus Christ, and obviously it's not outside of it, but like, you know, uh, parallel to Jesus Christ, that I'm the most passionate about in my life, it is freedom. Freedom is everything to me. This is War is a series on freedom because I am sick and tired, like Zach just got done saying. I am sick and tired of the enemy being able to declare war on our souls and winning, being able to declare war on our bodies and winning. I am so sick and tired of bondage winning in our lives. No, we are going to be a church that we declare war. We're not waiting for war to be declared on us. We are declaring war. Amen? Yeah. So we're going to see freedom in the natural. We're going to see freedom in the supernatural. We're going to see freedom in the spiritual. We're going to see freedom in the mental. We're going to see freedom. We are not a church that exists. I'm not interested. Let me put it this way. I am not interested in past pastoring or being a part of an enslaved church. Yeah. This is a church for a free church. Yeah. This is a church for a free people. And I guarantee if you're in this room this morning, you are not interested in being an enslaved person or a person full of bondage this morning. So who is here for some freedom this morning? Come on. This is war. And if you're taking notes this morning, I hope that you are. I saw that Scott got away with my joke last week. I was even told that he said it better than I do. So you know what? Jokes are dead today. Whatever. Come on. Don't notes. Yeah. that number. But if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is really, really simple. Slaves once more. Slaves once more. If you got your Bibles this morning, make sure you get into it because we are going to carve this bad Jackson up. We're coming out of Galatians 4, 1 through 9. But if you don't have a Bible or a device, it is going to be on the Sky Bible right here behind me. That looks so cool. I don't know who made that, the wolf, but I didn't. Uh, I just repurposed it for Christ. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, Galatians 4, 1 through 9. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Sure. Y'all love the Word of God this morning? Yes. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Okay, okay. First four, or first one. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. And though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, which is Daddy God, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, formally, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world? Whose slaves you want to be 
once more. Who slays? We're going to pray. No mercy of God, would that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We ask that right now you would come, that you would have your way in this place, God. We did not come for the play play this morning, God. We did not come for just another church service, God. No, no, no. We are interested in freedom this morning, God. We are interested in the living God. We are interested in your Holy Spirit. We are interested in not being the same person we are right now, God, because we might be good and we might have some things put together and we might have a few things figured out, but there is so much more with you, God, that that was with me already, so we want more of you this morning, less of me already, and we want to see you move in and through your house in Jesus' mighty name, the faith-filled church called Takeover Set. Amen. Amen. Y'all ready for the word of God? Yeah. Oh, man. Slaves once more. So I love this portion of scripture. I love the Apostle Paul. Um, there are just so many things in my life specifically that... <laughs> We just match a lot on, and uh, some are good qualities, and some are ones that, you know, the Lord was clearly working out of Paul and myself. Is my mic okay this morning? You need to pull it away. Am I, like, smashing my face on it? Yeah. I think it's just your breath. It's just your breath. What you saying? How about that? Is that better? Yes. So much better? Is it yeah. popping still? No? Cool. No. There we go. Well, I'm almost somebody. My mom was like, Lord, we're looking at you like, you don't even need a microphone. You're the loudest human being on the planet Earth. Like, please. Um, she's not wrong. I love you. Um, but I love this portion of scripture because here is Paul. And if you don't know, Paul, this is why I say that we mirror each other a lot. Paul is... Um, Paul's a bit extreme. Paul is over the top. Paul is right or die. Paul is about it, about it. And he don't care if you, if you care about it. He wants you to know about it. Like, Paul is the man. But Paul also has a significant past in history, such as myself. But Paul's history, if you don't know, this is why he's so relatable, is that Paul, before he was literally one of the people who wrote uh, three-fourths of the New Testament, he's the reason that we do church like this today. He set up offering. He set up preaching. He set up worship. He set up these things. These were things that Paul had a hand in setting up in the early church that we still do today. Like we might have a sky Bible and some cool lights and a drum kit, but these are things that Paul put in place in the beginning. And Paul's the man, and he's preaching to Galatians right now, which is in Asia, if you don't know him. Paul, Paul is a man that used to kill Christians. He's a, he's a, he's a Jewish man who was just commissioned by Jewish hierarchy to go when he was known as Saul to basically, he's hitman. He was basically just like, yo, there's followers of the way over here, which is what Christians were called at the time. We heard about it. There's a rumor about it. Look for this little fish that they draw. That's what that's about. Look for that. You'll find them close by. And you go and you stone them. You murder them. You kill their wives. You kill their kids. You do whatever you have to do. But you make sure in that city and in that town, they know that if you are following Jesus, you go against Jewish law. That's crazy. That's crazy. And so now, Paul, he comes to meet Jesus. It's incredible, and he does what we call repentance. Is where he's like, hey, I'm going this way with a lot of murder in my heart, and now I'm going to go this way with a lot of God in my heart. How good is that? Right? Yeah. Fantastic. So here's Paul, and he's writing in this portion of Scripture where I want to dial in this morning, and not just stay there the whole time, but where I feel like we kind of have to kick off this morning is when Paul says, you've known about God. But it is to be known by God that you get your identity. Right. Yeah. 
How many of you guys know this morning? I know we're in Grand Rapids, okay? I understand that we're in West Michigan. I understand we're in the Western world. And there's a lot of people in our lives and in the city specifically, maybe potentially even in this church, who know a lot about God, who went through Sunday school, who went through Awana, who did all of the things you're supposed to do when you're a kid growing up in church. And you might know a lot about God, but how many of you know there's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God? Yeah. How many of you know there's a lot of difference between knowing about God and being known by God. Yeah. Paul says you've known about God, but you've got to be known by God. Friends, there is only so much freedom in the self-help self -help aisle of the Christian bookstore that you can achieve by just knowing about God. You might know the Ten Commandments and you might not murder because it says not to murder, but there's a huge difference between being free from yourself and being known by God. God cannot set free whom he does not no. Yeah. Much like you cannot be set free just by knowing about God. The power for freedom does not lie in knowing about God. The power for freedom lies in being known by God. Yeah. This isn't about your, heart, your head knowledge. This is about God's heart knowledge of who you are. Yeah. Paul, Paul starts this off and he's just saying, it's not enough. It's not enough that you just simply know about God. You're in Asia, Attila the Hun is ruling. There's all of these things going on. you got these different gods over here doing this. And there's all of these things. And you can know about my Christ. And you can know about what he did on the cross. But if he doesn't know you, man, you are going to be chained to that perpetual spinning of the wheels that you've always been chained to. You're not going to go anywhere. There's a huge difference this morning between knowing about God and being known by God. There's only power in His knowing. You see, friends, we live in a, in a really incredible city in Grand Rapids, and Seems like every single coffee shop or Chipotle you go to, you're going to find some sort of theologian. And God bless you, okay? God bless you. I hope people have a lot of knowledge, absolutely. But friends, we have got to get off this tip this morning because we are in a city that is just consumed with the idea of knowing a lot about God. Even if you're against God, you still read a bunch of theology books just so you can make your point and you can have this and you can do that. And you can get together with your own little circle friends who hate God too and then just hate God together and you know a lot. We're in a city that knows a lot, but are we in a city that is known a lot by our God? It is my prayer, it is my belief this morning that we have got to get this on the inside of us if we are going to be effective in our marriages, effective in the single season, effective in Grand Rapids as a whole. If we as a church collectively are going to be effective, we got to be a church that's collectively known by God. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? we got to be known by God. Because again, theology is great, but we seem to be in a city that's completely confused that we think good theology will bring fulfillment. But truly, it's being known by Christ that brings fulfillment. And it's that fulfillment that gives way to great theology. Yeah. We're all about the theology first, and I'm sorry. No, 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 it's got to be Christ first. Christ wants to know you before you know everything there is about Him. One way gives birth to the other one. The other way does not. We want to get this on the inside of us this morning. We have got to be a church and a people that is known by God. Because I feel like 
feel like we're here. And I feel like you could go to you could go to Cornerstone, or you go to Calvin, or you could go to North Christian, or you know, you could be in here today, and maybe you're listening online, and maybe you've you've gone to a Christian school, or you attend a Christian school right now, or you're raised in church in West Michigan, and you can have these things as part of your life, part of your history, part of the description of who you are as a person. But you can all have a whole head full of knowledge and a whole heart full of nothing. Because yes. you've got to be known by God. That's right. So often we're in the city and I just see people that I care about, my friends and my family and my church and my people and the, and the people that I love and I hold dearly and I see that they know the truth. I see that they have a lot of Bible knowledge. I see that they have a lot of all of these things because they grew up here or they attended college here or they got married here and they're raising kids here or whatever their situation may be. But they have a lot of head knowledge, but they are still chained to the things that they brought with them into their relationship with Christ. And how many of you know this morning... This is, this, is, this is not an airport where you get to bring a carry-on. This is death to life, okay? We got a lot of people out here who have a lot of knowledge for behavior modification, but we're missing a whole lot of people who don't have any soul transformation, and that's what this thing is about. We see them just perpetually spinning their tires in the mud of their same shame and their same hang-ups and their same situation and their same alcoholism and their same cheating on their spouse, and they are not getting anywhere. Right. It's because the question has to be asked. Now, do you know God? Yeah. Or do you just know about God? Right. Does God know you? And if so, what does that mean? What does it mean to be known by God that He just knows you emphatically, that you have chosen to give up and bring all of your garbage to the altar and say, God, you already see it. You've seen my story from the beginning to the end, the end to the beginning. You know it all, but here I'm here to show and tell so that you can take and save. You can win a lot of debates with a lot of knowledge. But how many legs are you going to see grow out without being known by God? Right. You get a lot of Facebook arguments which profited everybody every time. I'm not an anarchist. I just think it's stupid that we even choose to engage. Like, dude, heathen's going to heathen, man. Just let them do their thing. Love them in person. Bless them online. Pray for it when you see it. Yep. It's so dumb. Don't waste your energy. It's not even my notes. Just don't waste your energy. God gave you a purpose. And Facebook battle is not it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Bottom line. Bottom line. How many marriages are you going to see restored without known, being known by God? Yeah. Friends, Paul was just trying to make it known to these Galatians who have come from such a unique area. They come from Asia where there is already all these different gods and there's all these different religions and there's all these different things that are already cascading over it. Here is the church in Galatia just trying to bud, just trying to grow, just trying to reach these people. And Paul, he is pleading them with them in this letter. He's like, don't just know a lot about God and don't just tell people a lot about God, but you got to know God. He's got to know you. 
it. You've got to make a way for those people to be known by God. That is the chief mission of the church. Amen. The chief mission is not that I just stand up here and I regurgitate everything that Charles Spurgeon spoke. It's not that I stand up here and I go through uh, seminary with you every single Sunday. No, no, no. Church, the reason we exist is to bring people into the knownness of God. Amen. This is what this thing is about. This is what this is about because in God knowing you lies actual freedom. But so many of us, just because we know a lot about God, we think we got it figured out. And knowing a lot about God can actually be a way into bondage if you aren't actually known by God. Because you could be in bondage to bad theology. You could be in bondage to bad practices. You could be in bondage, come on somebody, you could be in bondage to having a religious spirit, a legalistic spirit, someone who just wants to say tis tis get everybody around you when Christ is the one that is going to tax collectors, aka gangsters and knee breakers homes for dinner that day, okay? This is who our God is. We've got to be known by Christ because that gives way to fulfillment and fulfillment gives way to good theology. I'm going to get off that. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we become known by God? I think it starts with this question that we need to answer today. Paul in verse 9, he says, You were once enslaved to elementary, basic principles of this world. Principles and principalities and powers of darkness. You were once just bound and gagged to their will. Why do you want to go back? Paul asked the question that we have to answer today. Whose slaves do you want to be anyway? So I want to ask this as a church. Whose slaves do you want to be? Whose slaves do you want to be? When the night gets low and it is dark out and you are in your worriest and your scariest moments and it's dark outside and your marriage is falling apart and your single season is falling apart and you can't help but look at every porn that you've ever come across and you can't just get out of this. You can't stop lying. You can't stop stealing. You can't stop any of these things. But it's just going on. Whose slave do you want to be anyways? The reason I think this question is so important is because Friends, once you can name whose slaves you want to be, you can kill your master. Once you can name whose slaves you want to be, you can kill your master. Oh, Matt, that sounds graphic. Yeah. Most of the Bible is rated R, okay? Kill your master. That sounds too far. Most of the Bible is quote unquote too far. Most of our bondage is too graphic. War is graphic. Obtaining freedom, whether it's for a country, a city, a people, or ourselves and our own soul, it is graphic. But we've got to decide whose slaves we want to be. Because once we understand who we're not, we can start killing our masters. We can start killing our masters. Whose slaves do you want to be anyways? Whose slaves? What an incredibly, incredibly intrusive question to ask. You're a Christian. You're a Jesus follower. You guys are leading a church. It's 2020 and the media is telling you 
this, and so you want to be a slave to the Democrats, and you want to be a slave to the Republicans, and you want to be a slave, you <laughs> go in there, go in there. We are a church that does not play play, okay? We live in a time where you've got to pick a side at some point inside at a time. And Christ, he's just standing in the middle of it going, I pick everybody, and I'm going to love them to my best of my ability, so much so that I'm going to give up my freaking life for this place. And we are over here as Christians. We are Christians again. This is not something that is written to just the unbelieving world. This is written to you and to me. Believers, by the way, who in Asia still have it tougher than we do, okay? The hardest part about our faith is that we have to try and figure out through the sermon, fasting, and praying who the bloody freaking crap to vote for on November 3rd, okay? That's the hardest part about us following Jesus right now is sussing through all the mess to find out what God would have us do in determining the course of our country. What they have to go through is jailment, enslavement, beheading, and all these things, even to this day. And guess what? The world back then was a whole heck of a lot less civilized. And Paul is right. Who's slaves? Do you want to be? History will give context of this scripture when you understand what Asia is today and what Asia used to be back then. It's a lot worse than today. And it's a lot worse than how we had it. Whose slave do you want to be? Why would you go back? For them, they had to decide, are we going to follow this Asian government that is just a dynasty? We have no right to determine who wins and who goes and what happens in the course of our country. We have no say in it. We just have to bend and win and worship what they tell us to worship. Paul is saying, whose slaves do you want to be anyway? Right. And for you and me, I think that's a question that we have to answer. Because they were fighting for both literal, literal, okay, physical freedom. Right. For us, we have that freedom. God, feel how you want about the United States of America. We do live in a place where we can worship freely, yeah. even here and now. Yeah. Even in the middle of a pandemic, they can't tell a church to legally shut down. People can you know, suggest it and do it. But we live in a place that in our constitution from the jump, it was said, you have religious freedom, okay? Yeah. Yeah. If they don't place rules on Walmart, they can't place rules on the church. Like, that is what our constitution says. We do live in a place where we have some freedom, and that's incredible. So for us, how much more important is this question Whose slaves do you want to be anyways? Because for most of us, we're not in danger of physical death. Yeah. Unless, of course, our slave is, unless, of course, our master is something significant that would take us out of the game. Alcoholism. Sex addiction that can lead to AIDS and HIV. Substance abuse that you can overdose on. In a relationship where you were being physically abused, depression that you've allowed to cause you to have self-harm and self-infliction. Whose slaves do you want to be? Because as Christians, we gotta start killing our masters. We do not serve any other master than the one we bowed our knee to on the day that we came home. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's still right. on the throne, and he only hands us over to life. So if we got a master that keeps handing us over to death, it's time to kill our masters. Yeah. It's time to kill our masters. Some of us, some of us, we haven't declared war in a long time. Some of us as Christians, we didn't even know that we had to. We didn't know. 
I mean, if the enemy is saying this is war from the jump, when you didn't know God, you were a non-issue. But now that you were awake, now that you were alive, you've got a target on your back. And he has said, I am coming for him. The battle line has already been drawn. We just have to determine whether we are going to advance or not, or we are going to be negligent to it or not. Because he is going to attack. He is going to not relent. He is going to put things in front of your path to make you stumble, to make you fall, to make you break, to make you run away. Because we are broken, fractured uh, creatures. And so many of us... We may be called sons and daughters by God in His Word, but for a lot of us, we feel far more like prisoners. Right. He may call us sons and daughters, but the way we're living our life is more like a prisoner. we got to break out of prison. Today is a day, friends. Today is a day that we as a church, we as a single, as an individual, as a marriage couple, whoever you are, wherever you fall in this place, wherever you are at on your journey with Jesus Christ, today is the day that we just declare, this is war. This is war for my marriage. This is war for my children. This is war for my future. This is war for my destiny. This is war for my calling. This is war for my single season. This is war for my purity because holiness still actually matters to God. This is war. Devil, not today. Amen. Come on, church. Anyway. And that sounds really good, doesn't it? We just got really excited, didn't we? It's real good. But what happens? What happens when you hear Pastor Matt say that? He was like, Woo! Rick Flair, supercharged. Let's go! Charged up. That's good. Amen. Preach it. Come on, somebody, pop the clutch. For all of us who spent significant time in the South, it's the truth I say it. Pop the clutch. If you guys are saying that to me, that would be so awesome. Pop the clutch, answer. Pop the clutch. Nobody here even drives a five-speed. They don't even know what a manual is, okay? But what happens? What happens when, when you're doing so well and you hear a great message and you hear a great platitude and charged-up word and... You're just like, that was a great bar, that was a one-liner, that's a tweetable, quotable, boom, 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 put, put me looking really intense with a microphone and just put words all over the image, it's great. And then what happens when the unexpected happens? What happens? Maybe you're single and you're in church and you're freaking crushing it, right? You're killing it for Christ. You're like, yeah, I'm going to kill all my masses. Bop, 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 you did it. Somebody say bop. Bop. They're excited. Okay. And you're excited. And then the unexpected happens. Then the unexpected happens. Maybe you're a single guy in here and you were dating a girl for a long time and then suddenly up and out of the blue she just decides that she wants something else and she breaks it off with you. Yeah, I'll go to boys' crew on Wednesday. I'll, you know, ain't no thing. <laughs> ain't no thing. I ain't gonna let a girl ruin my life. <laughs> and then four days later... It's Saturday night and you've been away from her for so long and you know, maybe one of the masters you were trying to kill during your relationship was sex outside of marriage, not doing God's best for your life. Maybe you're trying to put an end to that. And then there's four days later and your loneliness is like the bat signal to your former master and the next thing you know your loneliness is just calling and your master, your former master is responding. The next thing you know, you're on Tinder trying to get some sexual healing in the moment when it's actually sexual bondage in the moment. And the next thing you know, you're a slave once more. Right. That's good. Yeah. 
What happens when you're like, woo, the war is over, my God has won, I'm gonna crush Dill's head like, uh -huh. And then your spouse gets an unforeseen and unexpected diagnosis. And it feels like you had the wind at your back and now the winds are out your sails. And then the medical bills start coming. And things are piling up, your spouse is sick, and the medical bills are coming in, and they can't work because they're sick, and now you're single and come home, and you got four kids to feed, and everything just kind of seems like it's raining down around you, and your worry and your anxiety is like a bat signal out to your former master, calling them into your presence, and all of a sudden, here comes your master, Jack and Daniels. You build like a box, but boy, you look good. If you've ever seen Apollo Jenkins. Or your old master Tito starts calling. Or maybe your master Captain Morgan. And suddenly what you what you know is going to lead you to bondage, what you know wants to rule and reign in your life, but at least you know the exchange is that it will numb you to the realities of your life. So eventually, suddenly, to cope with the realities of this world, instead of coping with Christ, you're coping with coke or alcohol or whatever substance abuse it is, and suddenly, you're a slave once more. Who's slave? Do you want to be anyways? You see, friends, I love our church, and I love to get to preach, and I'm a preacher, not a teacher. If you haven't figured it out, I like to sh shout, and I like to yell, and I like to spit, and I like to get into the nitty-gritty, and I don't care if I go too far because we're going to go with God, and it's going to be amazing, right? I love it. But sometimes I fear. I don't fear being a preacher and trying to be a teacher. That's just not my lane. Okay, it's never going to happen. All right, we, I, don't, I don't got six steps for you, ever. I have the Holy Spirit and the message he gave me, and I believe it's going to change your life because it's changing mine as I'm living it out. But as much as I fear sometimes that we can hear, this is war, slave once more, who slaves you want to be anyway, boom, 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 one-liners, all of this stuff. Suddenly, I fear that maybe... We're trying to fight our battles and win a war based off hype, when hype alone was never designed to carry you to victory. Yeah. You cannot, you might win a fight on hype, but you will not win a war on hype, amen? Yeah. Hype might get you stoked up, you might have enough ecstasy to win one fight and deliver one punch to the enemy, and deliver one punch to your cocaine addiction, deliver one punch to your pornography addiction. You might have enough hype off that word, for the day. But what happens when Tuesday comes around and you're not rolling on that Sunday high no more? The message isn't as good on the podcast it is live in the room. What happens when hype can't carry you through? What do you do with that? What do you do when hype isn't significant enough to change your life? Momentary change. Instant gratification, maybe. It can give you something to hold on to for a fight, but it does not have the knowledge to win the war. What do we do with that? Friends, can I tell you? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Revelation over hype. Yeah. Revelation 
over hype. You see, hype, once again, it can give you enough stamina to win a fight. But how many of you know a revelation will give you power to win the war? Yes. Come on, somebody. Hype might get you through a battle, but revelation will help you conquer in the war. Am I talking to any conquerors in here this morning? Is there anybody that wants a fresh revelation from the Word of God this morning? Come on, somebody. Hype is not enough. We cannot live on this, even as I'm screaming now at this moment. This is not enough to live on. This excitement, this energy, this vibe, it is not enough to live on. We cannot conquer off a vibe. We conquer because of revelation. What is revelation? Well, of hype is enough excitement, enough ecstasy, enough stamina, enough stokeness to get you through a fight. Then revelation. Are you ready? Revelation is knowledge of the victory. Revelation is knowledge, not for the victory, of the victory. That's good. That's good, man. No, no, no. I don't think you hear me this morning. Revelation is not knowledge for the victory. It's knowledge of the victory. Come on, somebody. If Christ has gone to the cross for you, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, how many of you know you already exist in a place of victory? Come on. marriage is ruined. I'm sick and tired of people allowing their own selfish behaviors to ruin their lives. I'm declaring war on myself this morning because I am one of the most selfish, conceited individuals I have ever met and have spent almost 30 years with myself. I'm declaring war on it this morning because, friends, I need a revelation of the Word of God. I need a revelation of who He says He is. I don't want to just know how to win a battle. I want knowledge of the victory that's already happened. Hype can't be enough. It'll never be enough. Hype cannot carry you through, but Revelation has already promised yes. to carry you mm -hmm. through. So Revelation of what? Isn't that the question? Revelation of what? You know, it's funny. This isn't in my notes, but as I'm thinking about this scripture right now, earlier in the verse, um, Paul, he says this thing about, he says this thing about, before you were sons and daughters of the Most High God, you were as slaves to a uh, elementary principles of this world. Do you know what he's saying? What he's saying in that moment is that when you become a son and a daughter, you have the ability to no longer be a slave to elementary principles, elementary principles of this world. Elementary principles of demonic, every, uh, elementary principles of powers of darkness, elementary principles of your own flesh and your own desires. You no longer have to be a slave to something so elementary, something so basic, something that Christ with a single drop of his blood can obliterate. Come on, somebody. How many of you know how powerful he is? He shed it all, but he is God. He's God above, and he can just drop a drop in those elementary principles they have to fall. Amen? So as a kid, as a child of the Most High God, you do not, you do not have to bow to elementary principles of this world. So many Christians today, we live with a defeatist mentality. How many of you know this morning you are not called to be a defeatist because you are called to be victorious? Yeah, yeah. that's good, man. But we live with this defeatist mentality. So many of us, human beings, 
Human beings already exist from the jump in a perpetual place of being defeated. Why? Because of sin. The power of sin already says, you're done, you're dead. That's why we're called alive in Christ, because we were dead in our sin. Like, you're already dead, you're already defeated. But Christians, we exist from a perpetual place of grace and of love and of mercy and of victory this morning. Okay, because we came, we bended a knee at the mighty name of Jesus, we already have permanent residency. This cannot be revoked. You can't be kicked out of this country. You have got permanent residency in a place of victory. Defeat, the, the, even, the, even the inkling of defeat, even the imagery of defeat is not enough to stop a believer in Christ Jesus. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care if you say, well, I'm just a glass half full person, or I'm a glass half empty person, or that's just my sign, I'm a Sagittarius, so I'm very serious. My Enneagram is two, so I'm always like, boo. That's booty. That's booty. You are a Christian. You are a Jesus follower. Yeah. You are a son, and you are a daughter. Before you were a four, before you were put in a box, before some stars that God spoke into existence that don't have a Leo carved out in them, before that ever said, this is who you are, Christ has already gone to the cross for you, and this is the revelation that we need to get today if we will continue to live and exist and fight from. If we continue to live and exist from a place of being a defeatist or being a human or having that mindset, well, I'm always just going to end up back there, then we will always return to our former masters. But I'm not interested in being a slave. I'm not interested in being a slave. Can I read you a portion of scripture right quick? Please. Galatians 4 7, or 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, because you are sons, you are daughters. Sent the Spirit of His Son into their hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. If a son, then an heir through God. Friends, this is the revelation that we need to get this morning. We need a revelation of adoption. The only way you are going to win the war for your soul, the war for your healing, the war for your body, is if you get a revelation that I'm not a broken person, I'm a son. I'm not a cancer person, I'm a daughter. I am not worthless, I am not used up, I have not done too far wrong to be good at all. No, friends. We have got to get a revelation of adoption on the inside of us. Because you know where you belong, you know what kind of power you have. Yeah. If you know where you belong, you know what kind of power belongs to you. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Friends, we have got to get a revelation today that says that no, I am a son. I am a daughter of the Most High God in this series. We're going to hit so many forms of warfare, but we couldn't go any further if we didn't start from the basics this morning and say we declare war against anything that will come against me because I am a son and I am a daughter. Does anybody know what that means? If you are a son and if you are a daughter, that means that you, that means that you are an heir. That means that you are an heir. And does anybody in here this morning honestly believe 
that God would allow his heir to be defeated? No, no. Does anybody in here this morning honestly believe that there's ever a time, ever an allowance, where God just decides to step off his throne and let death rule and reign in your life, and he don't got jack to say about it? No way! If you are an heir of God, an heir cannot be defeated, even if it looks like you are heading towards defeat. How many of you know our God works in resurrected dead things? He's not going to let an heir be defeated. You're an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what salvation means? Do you know what salvation means? Salvation means that he is saving a slave nation. That's you and that's me. Salvation is that he is saving an enslaved nation. This is who our God is. we got to quit living off hype. we got to quit living off Instagram preachers. we got to quit living off somebody else's secondhand revelation. And we need to get one for ourselves. Secondhand smoke kills you quicker than smoke yourself. Secondhand revelation will get you shot down by the devil quicker. Yeah. you got to know God for you. It's not enough just to hear me scream this and yell this. And yeah, I'm trying to provoke something on the inside of you. I believe the Holy Spirit is moving right now. But I'm trying to let you know that you are an heir so that you know what you have the reins of. What Christ went to the cross for you to have. This isn't some religious oppression, theological, uh, what do you call it, uh, legalistic West Michigan Christianity. This is the actual Bible. You're an heir. The rest of the labels don't matter. What society is trying to put on you doesn't matter. Who you are is who he says that you are. Friends, this morning. Friends, this morning. I want us to begin to move like heirs. You see, Jesus, Jesus knew he was the Son of God. And because he knew he was the Son of God, he knew what kind of miracles he could do. Some of us this morning, the reason we're not seeing miracles is because we don't know that we are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. It says that Jesus, he was with his disciples and he walked past a barren fig tree. I don't really like figs. So I get this verse. <laughs> but it says, Jesus knows that this fig in blooming fruits, f- fruitful season wasn't bearing any fruit. So Jesus decided to flex his God muscles. And he went, and trust me, again, Jesus is fully man, fully God. Whatever Jesus can do, he himself said that we can do greater works. So don't just walk away and go, ah, oh, he, said, he said about Jesus. Jesus can do I'm only, you know, Mary. No, Mary. You're freaking awesome. If you're a daughter of the Most High King, you can do it. Jesus says you can do better things than him. Believe it. But Jesus, he looks at this fruitless fig tree and he goes, you're fruitless. You're not profiting anything. Cursed and die. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Be cursed and die. Next morning, they came by. Fig tree was dead. Someone was this morning. We didn't know that we are heirs, that we know that we can kill our masters. We need to know that we are heirs so that we can kill our masters. 
Some of us, our masters, our masters aren't producing fruit, and they're profiting you nothing, and they need to be cursed, and they need to die in the name of Jesus. We've been in bondage for so long. We just wake up, and we're still in perpetual bondage. For some of us as Christians, we're actually, we are more comforted by our chains than we are by our Christ. So today, as we go back into this moment of worship, you can stand up. As we go back into this moment of worship, as we end service here, what I want to do today, what I want to do today is I want to, today I want to invoke the heirs of God in here today because our salvation comes when Christ sets free an enslaved nation, an enslaved people, when he lets the captive go again. He came for slaves to make them sons. He came for slaves to make them daughters. That is who you and I are. We were an enslaved nation, and now we have received salvation. Amen? And now that that has happened, now's the time to start putting up some headstones burying some old masters. So many of us as Christians, we live as runaway slaves. We try and we strive and we try to get away from it in the darkness of the night and we try to put up these blocks. We try to get as far as we can from our old masters that have enslaved us and entangled us and we try to be a runaway slave. But friends, I came to tell you today, Christ has already bought your freedom. You no longer have to try and be a runaway slave. You get to be a son and you get to be a daughter in the Most High God's house, in His kingdom. This is who He is. Friends, your soul is not going to be found no longer at the bottom of a bargain barrel. You cannot be purchased at goodwill for half of your worth. You have been bought with the full price of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that's who He says you are.
set a fire. I just felt like there were some people in here right now that you needed a dark, you needed an intimate setting with the Lord because I'm going to ask you a question in a second and for you to answer it honestly and to receive the total freedom that you came for today. Maybe you just didn't want anybody seeing your hands up because there are some things that we are not proud of that we want to relinquish right here at the altar this morning. So if that's you in this place, if that's you, and you got some things that you want to you want to relinquish right now, you want to put them down, you want to throw them as far as you can see, as far as the east is from the red west, and you want to be set free from some old masters this morning. There's nobody looking around, there's nobody judging, but you just lift your hand up, just hide them along them, just drop it, just drop it right now. You're lifting your hands and you're dropping whatever it is. I see those hands, I see those hands. I'm praying over you right now at this moment. Come on, and you want to shake your shape is off you in this moment. This is not shame. Oh. 